Welcome to episode 6 of Roots Rock Riot, the Grassroots Rugby Podcast with me, Ian Harries. I'm always a little bit torn on the exact level of professionalism people are expecting from me when listening to this. Uh, so, I'm going to apologise now. I, I don't know what the sound quality is going to be like on the intro and outro to this, because I'm currently away and I'm recording this while holding my microphone hunched over in the corner of what can only be described as kind of like a shitty student accommodation room. Uh, So I apologise, because today's club deserve better than that. So this week, we are back in the UK and talking to Kelverdon and Fearing Rugby Club, a brand new and shiny rugby team out of Essex. They were founded in 2020, making them by far the youngest rugby club we've spoken to, or possibly that I even know of. We talk about their for the players, by the players ethos, how to set up a rugby club, and the importance of National Joe Marler Day. This week, we are joined by... Two guys from Kelverdon and Fearing Rugby Club. So we're joined by Steve Clements, who is the chairman. Good evening. And we are uh, joined by David Briggs, who is the first team captain. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Doing awesome. Missing training, so even better. Ah, I I never thought of using the podcast as a way to get people out of rugby training. Yeah, so chatting about rugby, drinking Guinness uh, and missing training. Perfect. Yes, guys, I care too much about the club to go to training today. (laughs) I need to jump on a podcast and drink. It's the podcast. (laughs) This is my fifth appearance. This is the oh we'll get you we'll get, we'll get you we'll get you guys on every season just to kind of just keep talking through stuff. So, I mean, we could kind of start from the beginning with you guys because. You are by far, I think, the youngest rugby club I've really heard of. So you guys officially started 2020? I guess so, late 2020, I think it was November. So that is, it sounds, it sounds weird, but I forget that rugby clubs are a thing you can start. <laughs> like they've always felt like, I, I play for a team which used to be like, well, as with I'm sure a load of rugby teams, used to be like a school side. <laughs> That has now developed into uh, kind of an old boys team that has then developed into something else. So what's kind of the story there? Like, how do you, I mean, very broad, open-ended question. How do you start a rugby club? Uh, uh, <clears throat> with lots of questions, uh, if I'm <laughs> honest. Uh, I had to speak to a hell of a lot of people a hell of a lot of time to uh, even understand the process. And, I, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them had to go away and ask their own questions because <laughs> it's not something that's done every season. Yeah, they've asked how to start one and we've all forgotten. Yeah. Basically, yes. So where did it come from? Like, why why did this start? Uh, so uh, there was uh, a group of us uh, in the beginning uh, and it was always a bit of a running joke. Uh, I lived in Kelverdon. Uh, we, we all played locally. And there was always a joke about, oh, Kelvin and Rugby Club, we'll all go over there. And then come uh, late 2020, we was deep into lockdown. And we was just having some discussions and uh, we were looking at a map and we was like, this could be a goer. Shall we give it a go? And roll on, I think, three months later. And we was officially in the process with the RFU of uh, writing our club constitution and and becoming an incorporated company to to tick all the boxes, and uh, that, uh, and then we rolled to 
April 21 was the first time we was allowed out of lockdown. And we said, let's have a training session. Uh, we'd been pushing a lot of social media. And I, I will be totally honest, uh, as I was setting up the cones on our first session, and there was the seven of us, the inaugural committee, I thought we was going to be the only ones there. And we ended up with 37 players. 37? In our first ever session. We had 37 guys running around. And it was uh, a, a really good session. And... And the rest is, as I say, history. So, yeah, so during lockdown, I think they tapped into a market because um, I was one of those people where I'd played previously um, and then had family and kids and work commitments. Um, and then lockdown hit and you're considering your life choices at home with young children um, and not allowed to do the things you massively enjoy running around in a field with 30 blokes on a Saturday. Um, and it popped up and it was down the road um, and it sparked something inside, I think, quite a lot of fellas and people then that were considering maybe trying something new. Um, and obviously the locality helped. And yeah, and 37 random fellas turned up and we had a good giggle. I think uh, timing is key. It's, uh, there, there was some people that were still playing or had recently played prior to lockdown. And it was that everyone's assessing their, their future and it's, can I drive an hour to go and play rugby and drive an hour back when there's a team on my doorstep. And yeah, we have 37, I think 35 actually signed up to play our first year. And of those 19 had never played adult rugby uh, and a good portion of them had never played any rugby in their life. So is it just, there wasn't kind of any club. I, I think you kind of mentioned it there, Dave, was there just nothing nearby and you were kind of filling a void there, or was it there used to be a club and now there wasn't, and then no, you guys came so I, around? For me, it was that a lot of the local clubs, and no disregard to any of them, are well-established clubs. And um, With getting back into rugby, you not doubt yourself, but you don't want to go join a, a, a massive club at mid-30s, and you just, I don't know, maybe you do doubt yourself a little bit, and then you, I think that, that spark of well, this is brand new. I'd I'd love to be part of this journey. Let's let's see what it's all about. Let's give it a go. So yeah, that was a big sort of deciding factor for me. I was thinking of going locally, and then yeah, this popped up, and you're like, yeah, like, it sounds fresh. It sounds new. It sounds fun. Yeah, I I think I think a lot of people are in the same boat with that. Of if you haven't played for a while, you don't. If the option is having to take it very very seriously, or talking yourself out of it a lot of people i think can kind of talk themselves out of it so i'm guessing it is do you feel like people felt like they had more of an impact in kind of shaping who you guys were so one of the things that we pushed right from the start on social media so so i will say before our first training session we had during lockdown we had a lot of online socials yeah so we had six nations viewing parties and uh, but lots of excuses to drink on zoom was essentially what we did <laughs> So there was a social air around us, but uh, our main ethos that we pushed from day one was for the players, by the players. And that was kind of breaking away from the norm of uh, you've got this committee locked in a dark room that make decisions about the people on the pitch without very much interaction between them. Uh, and I know that's not the case at every club, but we started from the beginning. It was like, if you come to us, you will have a say. 
And a lot of the decisions we made, especially in the early days, from what's our club logo going to look like, what are our colours going to be, all went to a vote to everyone. And it was a very democratic process of even club ties. There was a two-week voting period for what ties should we have. I didn't even think of t- there's there's <laughs> there is so much I've taken for granted that we already have without having to start from square one with it. So it's I I saw the I think it's uh, on your socials kind of the for the players by the players kind of approach. We we won't name names, but even if it's not every club, that's very I think the stereotype yeah. at least <laughs> of what a rugby committee kind of looks like. I think that's one of the reasons why I joined as well is that you you don't want to join a well established club and you worry that face might not fit or you don't have all the gear and you haven't got that old school blazer and like oh yeah who's this new guy and he's got a bit of a twang in his voice and it was all new so you couldn't not fit in. Yeah, th- yeah, that's that is fascinating. So was there was it literally every decision? So I I know you guys. Um, so would the first season have been twenty twenty one? I guess that you guys would have played. We had our first game in I want to say end of May twenty twenty one, and we joined the Essex Merit Leagues in September twenty one for our inaugural season. Yeah, but even before that, is the vote went out for what days people would prefer to train on? Yeah, simple. Like that, and then so uh, how did the first season go? Was there also like a vote on what level you guys would play at, or was the assumption always kind of merit tables if you had that many people who hadn't played before? Uh, so uh, speaking with the RFU, it, we was always as a new team going to go into the merit leagues, okay. and uh, they put us in merit six, which is in Essex, is the bottom league. Uh, we actually had a very good season. Uh, we finished the league unbeaten. Uh, oh, nice. with friendlies we played 22 121 and drew against uh, uh, an upper league club in a friendly I mean that could that could well bit mean that for at least a season you were the most successful rugby club ever uh, I, I 100% said that on whatsapp at least <laughs> <laughs> like yeah there, there can't be many like don't get me wrong all blacks are great at everything but they've, they, they'd lost a game you know, there's there, there is have at least some a... comparisons made between us and the All Blacks at times. You know? <laughs> they wish they could have the record you guys did. Hundred percent. And like you said, so I mean, that's obviously very impressive, anyway. But especially with, I think, I mean, you said the amount of people who hadn't played rugby before that were kind of drawn to you guys. So I'm assuming there was then promotion, and then campaign two. Our second season. Uh... We got uh, we were promoted to Merit Four, and uh, there was then a uh, some dropped out of Merit Three just with club shuffling around. Yeah, and we approached the league. Uh, the travelling was actually better for us in the upper league. So we spoke <laughs> with the players and we uh, put forward and we said that we'd jump up to Merit Three, and uh, we had another good year. Uh, we didn't go unbeaten, unfortunately, but uh, we came second in the league, and. Uh, we also won the Merit Cup for our division. So, again, uh, a strong showing from uh, the new team. Yeah, brand new team, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, finishing first the first year, second yeah. the second year, again, is it taking away from the fact it's basically the All Blacks? And then I think you guys have now made another jump up. I uh, guess so. Uh, this summer we had a players' meeting with a 
a full paper-based vote. We went very old school. We had people write their choices down of whether we stayed in the merits or we jumped into the full uh, RFU league structure. And we're now a member of Essex County's Two North. Fancy. Yeah. So how how many people have kind of stuck with you from that initial training session that have kind of gone throughout the whole, like, three seasons? Uh, so of that initial 37, I would say, I'd, I'd, I'd like to think we've got almost close to 30 are still with us. Yeah, I'd say easy. If if the only the ones that dropped out are generally due to sort of newborns and or relocating. We've had in in all of our games since inception, we've had seventy players play for us, and we currently got fifty one registered players. That's that is crazy, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and c- comparing that to worried it would just be U seven at the first training session. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's a uh, it's a full time job in itself, which no one really told me when I said that I'd be chairman. But uh, uh, I'm loving every minute of it at the moment. Yeah, you just wanted to play rugby, yeah. and that, that's 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 admirable. And you've accidentally got a job. Yes. Uh, so with uh, I mean, I think you kind of uh, touched on this, um, especially kind of Dave. I think with what you were saying before, but obviously going from zero players to fifty plus. Uh, registered players in the space of three years for any club is insane you mentioned in terms of kind of why people joined there being kind of like uh i think tapping into something uh was kind of the phrase mentioned oh, i i do i i don't miss them but i do look fondly back on the covid era online socials so you kind of got the social stuff established far before the actual rugby side of it um so what do you think's actually kind of kept people playing for you guys what is it about kelvin and fearing that has people staying and people joining so for me it's like there is a massive um sort of push on the social side of it um so we have obviously your christmases and things like that and your normal stuff but we also just even have pizza nights um where people can just catch up with each other um, and just have a chat. The social side after games are all about fun, not about the old uni, old school, putting someone in a bin and stripping them naked. It's about just total inclusivity. Everyone's got a smile on their face. Um, everyone's got a colander on their head. Just some are daft, some are stupid, but it doesn't sort of alienate people or make them think, oh, no, I don't want to be part of that. And also then considering like the community aspect. So what do we look like from somebody else in that bar or in that cricket club or out on the streets? Um, so, yeah, so I think that's just social side is a massive element. Um, the inclusivity, it, like I mentioned, is, is huge and just being like a, a massive family. So everyone feels involved. You're involved from the outset because you've got, you've got a choice in what club colours we're going to play in or what league we're going to play in, what night we're going to train in. So I think you feel that huge sense of belonging from the from the get-go, really. And I, I yeah. think that's definitely a big thing, that sense of belonging. Everyone's working for each other. Uh, we're in a position where we don't have a pitch that the posts are up all season long. We have to put our posts up every week and then take them down at the end of the game. So can you imagine playing 80 minutes and then having to take the post down? <laughs> But uh, the players are given their jobs uh, before the game. They show up before they get changed. They're out there putting the posts up, putting the corner flags out, putting the banners up for the sponsors, and then they're happy taking them down again. And then we all go in the bar and we have a good time. And uh, 
we've really, I, I think a good thing about starting a club from scratch is you can take some of the old traditions and make them new traditions. I guess, as Dave said, we're not going to have someone up on the table uh, with all his clothes off. But we can do other things that are just as fun uh, and less graphic. And uh, uh, one of the big ones we've had over the last two seasons, and uh, I've been inundated with messages this week asking when this season will be, is uh, uh, we do uh, National Joe Marler Day. <laughs> Every day it's National Joe Marler Day. Uh, but we pick one day a season. Uh, it's usually always been an away game where everyone has to go dressed as Joe Marler. <laughs> and uh, it's always good fun. And uh, all the videos go on socials. Uh, we've been very lucky enough for him to message us and tell us how crazy we are. And uh... On his toilet. <laughs> That's, to, to be fair, as soon as you said Joe Marler responded, I immediately thought he would have done that from a toilet. Has anyone shaved their head yet? Uh, no, but we've had someone eat a ho- whole egg. Fair. On crack. Just with the with the the uh... with the shell, yeah, yeah, shell. That's what I was, was going yeah. as, as you as you do. I I think that's a kind of a really interesting point. On it, it's, I think it's been mentioned in a couple of the episodes already. Of I think the the difference between what people want out of the sports club now versus what sport clubs were, and then especially the perception of what rugby in a rugby club is. Speaking for myself, which again is something I've mentioned before, that's what put me off. That's why I didn't play until my mid mid to late 20s, because it put me off university. Like, it's just, it, it completely, especially if all you want to do is, you know, have a drink, play a bit of rugby, be a bit silly. Everything, everything else is a lot. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting uh, that you kind of get to not just decide on club colours and ties and things like that. It's also kind of setting up the culture yourself as well. Was kind of the rugby culture something that just happened or was it like a concerted effort from kind of the committee or like, did you have an idea of what you wanted the club to feel like or was it the players that kind of made it what it is, if that makes sense? Uh. I, I think it's uh, ultimately been the players that have built what we've got. Uh, there's been some input uh, so from day one. I was, we must have a dinner dance at the end of the season. I, I played yeah. for a number of clubs that didn't do the dinner and dance. And I was like, we need to do the dinner and dance. And uh, it's been a hit so far. Uh, yeah, and it's the, the players have really uh, pushed it along uh, so much so that they... That, there's even been almost like side quests where there's these little uh, groups of uh, smaller socials that the players are arranging amongst themselves. Yeah, like Curry Night coming up this week. Some lads were like, right, we haven't seen each other enough. Um, and before we get taken away for family duties at Christmas time, let's get a curry together. I, I do like a curry night. <laughs> <laughs> curry nights are definitely, uh, I think, underappreciated. Mad to think that we, in that first season, we had to. We play in a park, um, so we had to flyer all of the local residents to make sure that they knew this thing was happening, uh, to make sure they were aware, but also to, to feel free to come along and support. Um, yeah, and now on home games, we've, we've got like, a tremendous amount of people that come along. In our first season, we held a um, fixture against the Essex Fire Service, um, and I don't know, there must have been a, a good 200, 300 people there. Oh, wow. Um, and it was yeah, just a, a sort of phenomenal atmosphere, um, and we we beat him in the last 
sort of ten seconds, thirty seconds, <laughs> yeah, ten seconds to remain that unbeaten season. But it just created that part of the community um, as well. And I, 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 we do a lot of, as a committee. We we have a lot of conversations with our local parish council, with the cricket club, with the playing fields committee, just uh, ensuring that we are uh, we're listening to the locals, like Dave said. Yeah. Every season, we uh, let us go through the door of all the local residents. Just this is our fixture list for all our home games. Here's your contact list if there's any problems. The ball comes flying over the fence and hits your plant pot. Here's who to ring, and we will sort it. Yeah, this is the fly halves details. It's going to have been <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. This is why you don't kick. But yeah, well, it's good. I guess the the community is kind of behind it as well, right? Like it's. I, I think community something you've mentioned already and with the cricket club is it you're sharing like a clubhouse or how's kind of the the relationship with them it's Kelvin and fearing cricket club are literally next door multiple changing rooms so again we approached them very early on and was just like we're thinking of doing a thing can you help yeah and uh, as you know cricket and rugby uh uh quite a partnership because it means the bar can stay open all year long rather than being closed for the winter and uh, to be fair they've welcomed us with open arms as with anything like this there's always going to be teething issues but uh, I, I think they're glad that all their beers being drunk uh, there was definitely uh, <laughs> uh, it took them a few months to uh, really get order, get the ordering down uh, how much beer they needed behind the bar for a rugby game but uh, they seem to have got it down to a fine art now. I, I do like the idea of going to them with, uh, <laughs> we want to start a rugby club. There could just be seven of us <laughs> and then turning up with 30 plus. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that, that's that got to take whoever's ordering at the bar. Like there's got to be some research behind that in how much they think the average, yeah. like there's going to have been like an algorithm or yeah. something they used. Uh, so a funny story was uh, when we first got there, they didn't serve Guinness. So we politely said, uh, do you think you could get Guinness in? So uh, it was mid-December. I think uh, we had a gin tasting on a Friday evening uh, <laughs> with one of our sponsors. And uh, the bar manager was like, we've got a Guinness pump. And I was like, oh, brilliant. How much Guinness did you order? And he goes, I've got a small keg. It's about 30 pints. I was like, won't last an hour. And he went, do you reckon? We'll, ta- we'll take them all. Uh, uh, it was. Uh, we had our Christmas party the next day and it ran out after 20 minutes. 20 minutes? I mean, I, I, I sounded surprised, but the more I think about it, it's like, yeah, of course, 30 pints ran out in 20 minutes. I mean, that's good. I think if, if, if the one success story from your club, like, we'll ignore the unbeaten seasons, we'll ignore the All Blacks comparisons, just the fact you've got a bar to start serving Guinness. Oh, yeah. I think that is, that that is like success criteria number one. That's like a big tick in the checkbox. 100%. I was going to ask, did you see it becoming kind of what it is? Because obviously you guys are just going kind of, I think, from strength to strength. So what's kind of next for you guys um obviously dave you introduce yourself as uh first team captain so i assume you guys have kind of expanded out kind of even further so yeah because we've got uh so many players that have, have, ne- have never played before um and the sort of we've made our way up the leagues quite quickly so seven league promotions in like two years we've this season has been our first we've had a few sort of social friendlies um with some local teams 
uh, a mixture of sort of I don't even we don't even call them fringe players, but people in our squad, um, and we have a couple of first teams to sort of fill in. Um, but now because we're in the sort of RFU structure, we're limited to three subs. Yeah. So we can only take a squad of eighteen to a go to a match day. So um, this season's been the first season that we've got a, a social side out, uh, and they are called the Beerbarians. Um, so <laughs> it's a absolutely social rugby all over. Um, so we've already had two or three games this season. Uh, so we played Rochford the other week. Uh, we played Colchester. Uh, oh, Braintree, yeah. Um, so yeah, three games this season. Um, so for we've got another seven scheduled for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, home and away, we've got all those teams sort of penciled in for, and we've built up some really, really good relationships with those guys who come with the same sort of either thirds or a vets or a mixture of sort of in between. Um, and it's a great sort of starting point for anyone that's new to the club. It's great for the people who don't want to play as often uh, or as competitive, um, but could still get a run out at least sort of once a month. Um, and just have a great good laugh. Uh, you're still part of the, the Kelvin and Fearing team. Um, ones that want to run around again, it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, we don't have that sort of one twos divide. It's it's trained together, play together. Um, so, yes, it's really good. Uh, so, one of the things we have done in the past as well is if we've had uh, what we will say first team players or guys that were playing regularly for uh, our competitive team. Uh, if they drop down to the social side, uh, we do our best to play them out of position. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, we had one game last year. We had uh, our number, our starting number eight, played fullback for an hour. Impress! I really like that idea. And we had a fullback playing hooker. I mean, less less there. The front row is sanctity. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what I, I've definitely played because we're uh, the club I play for. Our merit tables as well. I have played some weird positions but yet to try, yet to attempt fullback. So maybe that's something I'll bring up as well. Also um, boot on him for an eight as well. So. All, all, all back rows think they can kick. <laughs> it, it's it one out of ten works, and then the one is all they talk about for the next calendar year. But it is also in the social team that if you do score a try, you do take the conversion. That's that sort of rip rule. I like it. Just a, a lot of uh, pick and goes where they're trying to find someone who can kick as they get to the line. <laughs> One of the other things we've done with the social team as well, which, uh, and it, again, it's it's us building relationships with other teams in Essex, is uh, especially if you've got a, a bigger side, they're running four teams. And as you know, with some of these teams, that fourth team, people get called up. They may not always have a fifth team. Uh, so we, we've got uh, discussions ongoing between coaching teams where player sharing. So if they're short, uh, we get a lot of WhatsApp messages. It's like, if you guys haven't got a game, could you, we need five players. And yeah. conversely, to, if we wanted uh, some help, we'd call one of these up. And it's just almost putting Barbar's teams out where needed. Yeah, I, I guess it, it it's kind of a really good setup for you guys then of you kind of got your your competitive team for people who and and again with the success you guys have had i can only assume that success is going to continue and that will become more and more competitive and then kind of what you said at the beginning dave right like sometimes that can then end up putting people off 
joining a club if that's the only kind of available rugby there so i think Mm. it's really good that you guys have both kind of that side and then what steve said with the people just wanting to play which i think is kind of exactly what this you know it's what grassroots rugby is all about right like we love our club we love playing but also if you want me to play for you and I've got nothing on and we could just kind of get a bit of laugh of it, I think that's always a good kind of option. Oh, and when, when I was younger, that was the mantra I lived by. It was have boots or travel. Uh, I had uh, pre-COVID, I had one season with my old team where I actually played for four different teams in the same league <laughs> against the same opposition. Did you play 15? Uh, no, I was always <laughs> quite excited. Uh, it's the only thing I'm good at. Ah, uh, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I love... Uh, I, I will be thinking of nothing but this people playing out of position. And I also love the idea of the Beerbarians, but not being a social side, but still called the Beerbarians. So that kind of brings us to the end today. And at the end of every episode, we ask the same two questions. So you'll both get to answer. So first of all, what would your message be to any future players looking to join Kelvin and Fearing Rugby Club? Don't be shy, give it a try. Um... And yeah, just join the family. Uh, and, and I'd uh, probably say it's uh, you will uh, you'll never find a more social club. And uh, a little mantra that I shared in the first season was "win or lose, we're booze." It's 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 about having fun rather than winning games. Winning games is always a nice thing, but we're there to have fun. That's our hobby. <laughs> Don't take it too seriously. You also said lose or win, we're on the gin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what about the one tie you had? What was that? <laughs> yeah, we all just have to go home. This is a draw. I do. I love the... Uh... <laughs> we, on episode one, I mentioned very similar of I don't necessarily care about the result of the game as long as I know that I played well and did everything that I could kind of do in it. Um, and I love the fact that you guys think the same when you were undefeated for a season. <laughs> Like, results don't matter, but yes, we did win everything. And the final question, which I'm going to put a little bit of a spin on this one, just for you guys. So there's going to be an extra level. So usually we ask people, which professional rugby player would you like to join your club? But for you guys, the caveat is they have to play out of position. So which professional rugby player... And which position would you want them to play? Joe Marler, and he can play any he wants. Ah, Joe Marler at ten. Yeah, I'm going Joe Marler. Um, yeah, uh, on the uh, on the wing, supporting our edge forward. Because <laughs> the two team trains running down the, the sideline for a fifteen or a fourteen or eleven is not going to be much fun. God, ah, imagine turning up for a social <laughs> game of rugby. You're on the wing. You look up, and Joe Marler is out there hugging the sideline. <laughs> Ah, oh, yeah, that is a that is a mental image that is going to stay with me for a while. So, uh, David, Steve, thank you so much for joining today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode, and thank you to Steve and Dave for joining us. You can find them on Instagram at Kelvedon and Fearing Rugby Club, and on YouTube at Kelvedon and Fearing Rufc, where they have, among other things, full match videos. They have also formed a partnership with Heads to Minds, a mental health charity that we strongly recommend you look into, and I'll include a link to in the episode notes of this episode. Since recording this, I have thought about nothing but which player I would want to play for my club if they had to play out of position, and I have been torn between Ken Owens at 8 
which is something I have actually seen, or Falatau at 12, which I think could be insane. So stay tuned for those decisions. Uh, I will be thinking about them an unhealthy amount. Roots Rock Riot was brought to you in association with Ickenham Rugby Club and is a podcast nobody asked for. You can find Roots Rock Riot on Instagram at Roots Rock Riot. And if you want your club involved, please drop us a message there or email us at rootsrockriotpodcast at gmail.com. We don't care the size of your club. We don't care where you play. We don't care what country you're based out of. All we care about is the fact that you want to talk about rugby. Next week, we are going south to talk to our first ladies team of the series, the incredibly named Portsmouth Valkyries. <laughs>